3: I come from? Why am I here? Is there a purpose to all of us Join Hercules and Victus and crew as they seek answers to these and other timeless questions and serve Mount Olympus by safeguarding the path of mystic ascension. Welcome to The Pride
4: of Olympus. Greetings and welcome to Pride of Olympus. I'm Hercules Invictus, and I am greatly honored to announce another fine episode of Disclosure Network with Nick, hosted by Nick Curto, coming right up. His guest today is Les Jameson. And the topic is 9-11 and beyond. So I will be glued to my console here while the show goes on. Greetings, Nick.
5: Hey, Hercules. Great to be with you tonight.
4: Same here. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing the show, so I hand you the scepter, and it's all yours. And uh, welcome to our show, Les.
5: Thank
1: you very much. Glad to be here.
5: Okay, so Disclosure Network... uh, Disclosure Network with Nick uh, is the program, and I'm Nick Curtle, co founder and director of Disclosure Network New York. DNNY is a grassroots organization now celebrating our 18th year of providing two meetings a month throughout the year in Manhattan. We focus on cutting edge UFO ET issues, paranormal phenomenon, as well as many important related subjects from a wide variety of sources as we go deep into these extremely exciting and sometimes very misunderstood subjects that the mainstream press will not disclose at all and aggressively create diversions away from the truth. Our members do intensive investigative research into these various topics and share that information with our group at our meetings and with our Internet followers as well. Uh, Our motto right from day one is, quote, connecting the dots to seek truth, unquote. We have available to everyone worldwide a DNNY News Blast email service focusing on the topics of special interest, and it's totally free. Uh, Just visit our website, and I'm going to give you that, d-n-n-y dot info and type in your email address we're asked for. That way you will be immediately connected with us and you'll start receiving these various emails uh, as the days go on. Uh, many hundreds of people have signed on already for this service and more are joining every day. Again, it's offered by Disclosure Network New York and it is totally free. Again, the website address is www dot D-N-N-Y dot info. Okay, now our featured guest for this podcast tonight is my very good friend and colleague Les Jamerson. Les, a very warm welcome. Great
1: to be with you, Nick. I really appreciate the
5: invitation. Uh, Les, be close to the. Uh, there's a little bit of an echo, so please, if you can, I'll bring the phone closer to you. Uh, it would be good uh, okay right just just to avoid the echo or whatever that is now i'm going to read a brief introduction uh uh for for about you um uh, you have studied the alternate research into 9-11 since november 2001 just two months after the attacks uh you've uh have been publicly active as the event organizer, street activist, and movement builder since January of 2004. Beginning October 2014, you spearheaded an effort to generate grassroots support for legislation to declassify the 28 pages from the Congressional Joint Inquiry on 9-11, as well as mobilizing public support for the passage of the Justice Against Sponsors of Terrorism Act. Uh, you've also brought your research into organized efforts uh, to the controversial aspects of, here we go, f- a 5G and smart meter technology, which is the focus for tonight. Uh, you you uh, see this as a global ex- existential threat uh, which calls all conscious people to get informed quickly and hold the industries and political leaders accountable. And, boy, is that a, a very important thing. So, Les, again, welcome to the program. And I'd like to start off uh, tonight's interview from the very, very beginning so the listeners will get a brief idea uh, about your life. So, so briefly, may I ask you first, well, where were you born?
1: I was born in the country of Panama.
5: Ah, and, okay. Uh, and did you uh were you part of a big family with brothers and sisters?
1: Uh just uh, one brother, so small nuclear family and uh got, grew up in Connecticut. Uh we came here to the US when I was just 4 years old from Panama. And ah. uh yeah. yeah. So,
5: uh, wait, was your family at all spiritual or if so, what denomination or not?
1: You know they were just mildly spiritual my my mother was uh, a recovering Catholic and okay. uh, uh, my father wasn't that spiritual, but they did uh introduce me to uh, congregational church uh, in my youth and then in my teens, I did uh, also, make a connection with a congregational, which is a Protestant church in, in my uh, uh, town, right. my little town up in Connecticut. And that was that was uh, my introduction there. And, but then I went into a, uh, you know, kind of a, a a need for much more than I was finding in the church, and I, I went into a, 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 what I would call a quest, and I looked into all kinds of religions and everything I could. Find. I, you know, Eastern religions, uh, evangelical, Christian evangelical, you know, just everything I, could, I wanted to know more uh, because I felt a, a very deep sort of a, a, a need to know more and sort of an emptiness that uh, I was finding from my experience with anything I had encountered in the church. So, that brought me eventually to, uh, actually not, not long after, into discovering a book called The
5: Urantia Book. Oh, I've, I've heard of that.
2: <laughs> in that, fact, that we,
5: met, we met in the uh, Robin Helene study group here in Manhattan when we both were studying uh, with their direction. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah.
5: That was a so, wonderful time. That, I can remember very well the uh, study group, and it was truly uh, one, uh, still one of the high points of my life to be studying with them.
1: Um, and other than that, I uh, went off to become a musician at, uh, after high school. And that was interestingly uh, right around the time of the Vietnam War. Matter of fact, I, I just missed the draft by one month. I wow. ended the draft one month before my birthday.
2: Wow, what a birthday present. (laughs)
1: I'm telling you, because, you know, me and my family, we were kind of uh, nervous and sweating it out, you know, wondering what I was going to do. And uh, I got very lucky, very uh, fortunate. And, uh, but those were the days, you know, very tumultuous time, and I became politically aware, uh, you know, of, various questionable aspects of the Vietnam War and and other things going on, you know, the tumultuous events of the 60s with the assassinations of JFK and Malcolm X uh, course Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy. And uh, uh, and, and there was a few other things that kind of opened me into um, a wider understanding of of the world. And I I was definitely... um, of the type in a young age with this inner desire to know and understand the world. And, um, that, that has
5: stayed with me ever since. Oh, I, I know that very well. And I, 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 I'm sure that that was the point with all those things uh, going on. It was a very, very turbulent time to be sure. And I guess your activism w- was sparked about that time. Would that be correct?
1: Uh, in a sense, yes, my activism and uh, my consciousness was definitely um, opened up and, and, uh, and just, I, I was the type where I took the initiative to read and uh, go to events and, uh, you know, just be part of the, the expanding uh, awareness of the time and the questioning of, quote, establishment at the time. And then uh, to fast forward, uh, when my activism uh, Well, let me just also, in in the interim of actually becoming very politically active, I thought that what was needed to bring uh, peace and harmony in the world was the greater understanding between religions, the major religions. So I had a... uh, a real calling to participate in the interfaith movement, which uh, I, I did get to spend a few years and uh, part of a few organizations, one being the Temple of Understanding. and um, I actually got to go to the Parliament of World Religions in 1999 in Cape Town, South Africa. I was there with your ancient book readers as well as uh, people from the, the interfaith uh, association I belonged to. So uh, then, two years later, 9-11 happened, and that really uh, was a catalyst for my activism. And uh, like so many, so many people, as you know, Nick, uh, once they uh, question 9-11 and become aware of the, the wider reality and the, um, the incredibly... Um, uh, you know, ground shaking and, you know, it's just the the reality of 9-11 being such a cause for shifting one's understanding of our political and social and economic reality. So I went through that with 9-11 and was just compelled to uh, do whatever I could to work towards uh, educating the public and, Working towards a, a wider understanding of the reality, of the truth of 9/11, and uh, became very involved nationally, as well as here locally in New York, as a uh, an organizer and event producer and much, much more. So, that's just a little yeah, snapshot.
5: No, absolutely, and thank you, and thank you for your service, Les. It's uh, I know I know I've seen it, and you are uh, a wonderful sort of source of good and and truth seeking, and you. You've done tremendous things already in your life on on that level, and uh, I'm sure the future is going to have many, many more for you. Before we go into the subject tonight of uh, 5G and uh, the uh, smart meters, I just want to just uh, touch again on 911. Uh, what has happened with the with the court uh, uh, the uh, the um, the project of trying to get the facts about 911 into into the courtrooms? Where is that now, Wes?
1: Sure. A um, couple of years ago now, after uh, – actually, after a
5: three-year
1: evolution of, uh, that took place with a team of lawyers, they came together and they, they worked very, very hard to uh, analyze the best legal actions that could be taken to uh, expose the truth of 9-11 and to to – Obtain prosecution of the actual crimes of 9/11, and one of the things they came up with was uh, to file a grand jury petition. That was done. Uh, I think it's two years now. Um, it's since April. I believe it's two years. Yes. And now, with a grand jury petition, the way that works is uh, it's um, secretive. Uh, the committee of the grand jury is actually very secretive. Uh, the information doesn't really get exposed. But uh, the, what we do know is we did hear back from the, uh, the district attorney acknowledging receipts of the petition for the grand jury and uh, basically uh, uh, acknowledging that uh, there was an understanding by the district attorney's office that they were compelled by law to uh, follow through on the uh, whatever the petition was calling for. And the petition it was a uh, fifty-seven page, fifty-six page document with, I believe, fifty-one exhibits. Just a phenomenal. Uh, Wow. Repository of evidence. And the underlying premise is brilliant because what the Morris Committee is charging is that there have been reputable scientists and reputable organizations that have done um, uh, highly qualified and and, highly expert level analysis of the collapses of the towers and also building seven, which is of course the third building that fell that day in free fall fashion uh, at 520 that evening and was not even hit by an airplane. And again, the premise is that this body of evidence, which is done by um, expert level scientists and researchers should have been included in the official investigations, and uh, the government had a duty to use this, to uh, uh, all of this evidence, and they failed to do so.
5: So that is that is so shocking. I know that's true, and it is so shocking that when we depend upon the government to, to seek the truth and give it to us exactly like it is, and it, it was anything but that. Now uh, I think that, that that report that they finally released should have started once upon a time because it's totally, it's totally a fairy tale. It, it has nothing to do with the reality of what 9-11 was all about. And I would venture to say that America, and indeed the world, is not going to be able to really continue until that is totally out there and solved of who did it and, and the reasons for that. And those people should be brought to justice. So I just totally admire the work that the 9-11 truth movement is doing. And I've been to a couple of the Quaker uh, the Quaker meeting hall uh, meetings for the 9-11. And I have to say, Les, too, there's the most fine Americans that want to seek the truth. that They've got to get on with it. And, and the lawyers, I've met some of the lawyers, and they are amazing. And that's an incredibly powerful and good team for truth, and I I just totally support that effort.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, all people have to do is they'd like to really hone in on this body of uh, work in, in the actual petition and any surrounding news. Just look up online the Lawyer's Committee for 9-11 Inquiry. Okay. And uh, the website, I believe it is, uh, LC4, and it's F-O-R, 9 one org. L-C-F-O-R, R nine one one Or just do a search on uh, Lawyer's for 9-11 Inquiry Petition. And, boy, I would urge everybody to read the petition. It's 50-something it's, you know, pages. It's not that bad. So, uh You can get through it in an hour or so. And look at the exhibits, and this was just a comprehensive work that was done. Now, uh, just to finish uh, answering your question about what's going on legally, there was a, another lawsuit. Uh, another legal action is a lawsuit against the FBI uh, for various um, causes where the, the FBI uh, has a- also been incredibly deceptive uh, lying to the public about what it knows about 9-11. And the FBI actually did a report. Uh, they were commissioned to do a Report uh, on whether anything new was discovered about 9/11. Okay, so oh,
2: wow, that's incredible.
1: That. Yeah, and and of course, the, it was a complete uh, cover-up, a complete waste, a uh, uh, complete deception. So the Watergate uh, Committee has launched a lawsuit against the FBI for their. Basically, a dereliction of duty. Yeah. Let's call it what it
5: is. Absolutely. It's shocking. It really is shocking to this day. It absolutely infuriates me that we, as a public, have been treated like that. to lies, lies, lies. And uh, diversions, all kinds of diversions, trying to go everywhere but where the truth is. That's
1: right. So it's up to us to uh, basically refuse to tolerate this level of obfuscation, deception, and uh, it's, it's, it's criminal. It's actually uh, uh, it's a crime against humanity to have uh, to orchestrated such a catastrophic event that killed 3,000 people. That then um, was used as a pretext to uh, undermine all our civil liberties and was used as a pretext to launch uh, these ongoing wars, these never ending wars in the Middle East, where uh, millions of people have been killed and, um, you know, tr- I think $6 trillion has been uh, extorted out of the American people. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we, it's up to us to refuse to tolerate this and to maintain a position that we want the truth, we want justice, and we know that uh, the, the, uh, the power structure behind the events of 9-11 is manipulating everything, and we know that uh, they're doing so for the purpose of the, you know, benefiting and, and consolidating their power, uh, and we won't stand for it.
2: No,
5: absolutely. We all have to support this effort. It's so important, not only for our generation, but for the generations to come. The killers are still out there. They, they have done their worst deed, and they have gone scot-free. And 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 that and what are they planning now? I mean, it goes on and on. So anyhow, I salute the committee and U.S. and everyone working uh, for the 9-11 Truth Movement to try to get to the very bottom of that uh, tragedy, total tragedy that happened. Okay, now, uh, thank you for that. And now we're going to get right to uh, another very important topic um, that most people don't really know that much about, and that's, the, the 5G rollout, and the smart meters rollout that's going on right now. So, uh, Les, uh, if you will, give us a little bit of uh, off the top, What just generally, what is going on, what are those things, and why should we be concerned? Yes,
1: okay. Uh, let's see, where to start. Now, both smart meters were rolled out first. Uh, 5G stands for fifth-generation Wi-Fi technology, and that being, of course, what we use for you know, our cell phones and our wireless networks at home and uh, everything within our homes, all the, the digital devices that are wireless. You know, and and so 5G is. Um, Uh, something that you want to associate with what they're calling the Internet of Things, where uh, everything from, you know, your voice recognition assistant at home, uh, the the popular one being Alexa, you know, Google's Alexa, Uh, everything from those types of digital devices in the home to light bulbs they have now that you can control with your cell phone, uh, your door lock, your doorbell, your um, heating system, um, and appliances, you know, where you, you're, you'll have smart washing machines and smart refrigerators and all of that. This is all part of the Internet of Things, and, of course, driverless cars. And um, then they, they're proposing smart, not only smart homes, but smart cities. So with 5G... This is um, based on a, a level of the spectrum, a higher frequency level of the spectrum, where the waves, the radio waves, are shorter, and therefore they require cell phone antennas to be much closer uh, and much more, much more um, saturated in, in, everywhere. Okay, so the, the, uh, and right now with 4G, you have cell phone towers every few miles, let's say, every several miles. Works fine, right? And, but with 5G, they're going to have the cell towers every, two per block uh, or every 500 feet.
5: So, that just sounds insane immediately. It just sounds, especially since it's so much more powerful, right? Isn't it about 100 times more powerful than the 4G? Yes, yes,
1: exactly. And
5: we all know what happened with the 4G. There's already many, many health concerns that people have, uh, from children to, to seniors, have been suffering because of the uh, EMF uh, uh, result of, of, the, of the towers.
1: Absolutely. Uh, anybody close to a cell phone tower, I mean, there's been so many complaints and, and actual cancer cases. People have died. That's right.
2: From wow. Being
1: close to cell phone towers.
2: And, wow.
1: and uh, with these 5G towers, are going to be you know, millions of them uh, throughout the country. This is what they're planning. And the, the underlying uh, causes for Very serious concern, Nick. Here we go. This technology, even going back to the first generation of Wi-Fi, has never been adequately tested for safety for human use.
2: Because the
1: industry said that uh, it's low-level radiation, it's non-thermal, or doesn't cause heat. And what's been found, though, is that regardless that it uh, doesn't not cause heat in terms of the Wi-Fi uh, radiation, uh, there are many many other uh, detrimental effects on people's health, uh, and and this has been scientifically proven. There's like a couple of uh, thousand different tests that have been done, and uh, and 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 just to I think one, one of the ways that this point is proven so effectively is that firefighters, uh, there's a case in Northern California where uh, there was a firehouse with 5G cell towers and the firefighters were getting very sick. They, they, were, they couldn't function. They traced it to the towers and uh, then they alerted the firefighters union They looked into it, studied it, and now the International Association of Firefighters um, is opposing any cell towers on fire stations.
5: Wow. Well, that speaks volumes. Just alone, that speaks volumes of how dangerous it is. And Verizon and AT&T are doing multi was a trillion-dollar efforts to to already start doing this 5G installations in, in all the major cities across the nation? Correct.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, this is a, an interesting point. The, the, the industry has poured hundreds of billions of dollars and, uh, into the rollout of 5G and smart meters. Uh, and, and how is this that Technology that has not been tested for human safety is being pushed upon the public. Smart meters. My gosh, if, if, just do a search on health risks of smart meters, and you'll spend months reading all the incredible reports of people also getting uh, all kinds of health symptoms such as, uh, um, let's see, hypertension, anxiety. Uh, ringing in the ears, uh, high blood pressure, stroke, and uh, and much more. So uh, this has been going on for a long, long time now, going back to I think at least 2008, 2010, when the rollout of smart meters in the U.S. really started. uh, Because the agenda here is to roll it out in every state where smart meters will be part of this grid, what they call an energy grid, right? But I call it um, an information and control grid because the smart meters uh, actually can detect what you're using in in terms of appliances, whether you're on your computer, watching TV, washing clothes, uh, you know it, it detect, the smart meters will know the patterns of your energy usage and this is then put t- together into this big data uh, this big data uh, repository and patterns of our behavior are, are then put together for industry use and for marketing and etc etc and that's it's an invasion of privacy. The smart Wait,
5: that's wait, that's an understatement. That means that that puts the last nail in the casket of privacy.
1: Exactly. All of this it, it, it completely renders privacy uh, a thing of the past. There is no privacy, uh, you know, or if there's no privacy, I have to say this, and we got a question. Our, we really free? Do we have freedom? And that is that. The answer to that, to me, is no, because with the, the this grid, this control grid, um, and in the fact that uh, we, we, the American public, has very little say. In, especially in the beginning, had very little say on whether they could uh, refuse the smart meter. In other words, the industry manipulated laws, manipulated uh, state and local ordinances so that the homeowner, first of all, many didn't even know that smart meters were being installed, and then if they did find out, were sick or something afterwards, they had a hell of a time trying to get rid of it, trying to get the company to reinstall the old analog meter, which the analog meters are safe. So
2: yeah, they are.
1: Now we have an invasion of our rights, a violation of our property rights, and our rights to safe uh, living, and, and our, our rights to uh, good health. Our so. So combine these different violations and um, the undermining of our our privacy, and we have a serious uh, assault on constitutional uh, liberties here.
5: Well, this is a nightmare. I mean, what you're outlining right now is a total nightmare to every man, woman, and child, not only in America but worldwide. And, and the, uh, these huge forces that want to inflict this upon us with no uh, viable uh, test for health uh, concerns. And um, so far, the, the, uh, the, what the scientists have said, that the effects of this, this, this craziness uh, include increased cancer risks of cellular stress, increased uh, harmful free radicals, genetic damages structural and functional changes in the re- reproductive system, listen to this, A learning and memory uh, defects, neurological disorders, and negative impacts on general well-being of humans. Not only that, as if that wasn't enough, it also says that it has horrible effects on the animal and insect kingdom. Well, that alone, if that doesn 't strike a chord of a worm i don 't know what would uh, when bees are killed and and disturbed by these magnetic forces by these these then and, and they 're killed, what happens to our food supply
1: exactly this is an existential threat to all of humanity so, well to, to the entire ecosystem, humanity plus the uh, animal and plant kingdom. So, um, you know, there's no other way to see this. And this is what many, many scientists are out here trying to uh, uh, highlight and in, in to, to ring the alarm here. This is insanity. Uh, and, and we have to act very quickly here. Uh, uh, and we need, need the public to get informed. We need the public to take action and, again, just we're back to this where we cannot tolerate uh, these actions from these powerful uh, forces within the industry. It's, it, it is insanity. Their attitude, you know, I'm, I'm kind of analyzing the industry, and it's, it's very bizarre. It's almost as if they feel like, well, oh, we, we have to win the race to uh, – Implement this 5G technology because uh, the huge profits. We, uh, you know, it's our brand that we need to um, establish as being a leader in the in this whole uh, technology space. Uh, so they're seeing it like a, a competition that they have to win, and they're doing it at all costs, they are subverting uh, the process by which the public is uh, uh, informed and they're doing it in such a way that the public is uninformed and it's forced upon them. And this really needs to be understood. And uh, and they're going this route of wireless uh, 5G technology, it's microwave spectrum that is actually weapons-grade, which I'll talk about in a second here. But you know what, Nick? That is also very bizarre, that there was an alternative. There still is an alternative to wireless Wi-Fi technology, which happens to be fiber optic, the fiber optic lines, which – Was also you know there there are many areas that uh, fiber optic lines have been laid uh, to for use for broadband, and uh, I believe from Chicago to New York to the stock exchange, uh, that there's a a glass pipe that's underground that transmits data and. uh, that, that is the, the, basically a high-level uh, fiber optic line. So there is this alternative. But the industry has been pushing this Wi-Fi, which is very dangerous, untested, and they've gotten the agencies and the government to basically be their uh, sort of uh, uh, franchise, their subsidiary, where they dictate, the industry dictates to the government to the FCC and the FDA what technology is going to be uh, implemented throughout the country, and that's what we're dealing with here. Uh, and the politicians, uh, for the most part, uh, they, they don't understand what's going on. Uh, there have been a few that uh, put, I'll, I'll give a few names there. Richard Blumenthal Of Connecticut, the senator on February 7th of this year, he held a hearing where he grilled several uh, industry leaders. And one of the questions he asked, this is the 5G industry leaders, one of the questions he asked was Is the industry supporting any independent testing on the 5G and the impact on health? And guess what? The the uh, executive, industry executives, admitted no. Wow,
5: that that is outrageous! Outrageous, and they admit it.
1: Yeah, admitted. Incredible. He was a hearing and uh, had to, you know, uh, had to respond and and with the truth, and that's that's what was the scenario here. So, folks, um, need to understand that uh, these powerful forces know how to manipulate uh, and have manipulated their, their, their position so that uh, states, hmm, how should I say this, uh, in many states, they have it so that it's illegal to question the 5G industry and their implementation or rollout of five G cell towers. It's illegal to oppose that.
5: Whoa. This is kind of like uh the novel nineteen eighty four, only a hundred times worse.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now there there are there have been a few towns, a few cities fighting back and uh I'll give you an interesting one now. West Palm Beach, Florida, in in, in the state of Florida, uh, the five well, the telecom industry can put cell towers wherever they want. If you have your property owner, and they decide to put it on your property, you have no say. you wow. have to accept it, except for West Palm Beach. Really? Yes. Now, guess who lives in West Palm Beach? Who has an estate the there?
5: I, 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 me. I thought so. Yep. Here we go. Here we go.
1: Now, also, West Palm Beach is um, a highly affluent area. This is like the um, – yeah, uh, it's a – resort area. It's sort of like Greenwich, Connecticut. It's one of the wealthiest towns in the country.
5: Absolutely, and, yeah.
1: And you know what they complained about with the 5G Towers? Oh, just, they have to be so close to each other that they're they an eyesore. They'll, they'll mark the, the, the visibility of uh, the, the the horizon and the, the, the tree like our fo- our foliage throughout West Palm Beach. We're having all these cell towers. We'll will we'll make it look uh, you know unnatural. So that's it. That's what it came down to. And so they uh, got a provision whereby they do not have to be forced. They cannot be forced to put up cell towers everywhere. Well, of all the concerns
5: about of all the concerns about the 5G towers, the least concern, I mean, of all the things they could possibly say is how it looks. How it looks is the least concern. How about the fact it kills you? How about the fact it gives you cancer? How about the fact that it can alter your reproductive system? Uh, I just have something here. Uh, well, this might be a good time to say it. Uh, because of the 5G towers are going up and they're so powerful and so close together, it's essentially like being living in a closed radiation chamber 24 hours a day. That's a quote from a scientist. And another scientist uh, has discovered, listen to this, that the surface of the human body actually draws 5G radiation like an antenna.
2: Yes.
5: If that doesn't we give you like pause, an I don't know what would. It's because of the way the human body is constructed. And, and that's been proven to be true.
1: That's right. That's right. So it's going to be very, very dangerous. In New York, um, they're already uh, putting up 5G cell towers on Governors Island, and um, and you know it's they're already in so many areas, so many cities throughout the country. Uh, so folks, there's an awful lot of work to be done now to understand how the the uh, The distinction of 5G compared to 4G, Um, 4G uses frequencies as high as 6 gigahertz. Right. And 5G goes, uh, and these are pulsed signals from 30 gigahertz to the 100 gigahertz range.
5: Get out of here. Oh, my God. That's just insanity. Absolute insanity. I mean, you don't so have to they, be a scientist to realize the danger that's going on.
1: Right, right. And, and so these are waves, pulse signals in the higher part of the spectrum, of the, the radio frequency spectrum. And here's the thing. We've never been exposed to such high frequency for long periods of time.
5: There it is, with the intensity that they're going to do to this. It says that the human uh, sweat ducts act like a number of antennas uh, when exposed to these uh, wavelengths uh, that are put out there by the devices that empo- employ 5G technology. So in other words, it's, it's attracting 5G radiation for your eyes, your skin, and your heart. And there's, there's evidence that heart disease, a lot of the heart problems, are caused by these frequencies. So we're, we're looking at uh, a devastation of the, of the planet with, with all these people of the planet exposing to this dangerous radiation. And as it stands now, they're not being informed about it deliberately, So they, and, and all these things are being installed without our permission or wanting them to be there and we're like we're like guinea pigs in in a test tube this is outrageous you
2: know
1: what I think is going to be necessary uh, is where the public and when I say the public you know uh, activist groups people who are concerned have, have to come together and have to, there, there's a there's a great website that uh, like, does actions uh, in coordination called 5Gcrisis.com, 5Gcrisis.com.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Now, what, what you, you just said, Nick, is that, um, uh, you know, we're the guinea pigs. How about this? Since the industry is so hell-bent on uh, foisting this dangerous technology, untested te- technology upon the public, on the planet And they think that that's somehow um, Acceptable
5: Why don't Where they do they have the right Where rights? do they have the right to do this in the first place Where do they have the right And where's the people uh, in government That is supposed to be protecting us That's what they're getting paid A lot of money to do Where are they Why aren't they crying out Why aren't they stopping this or what, is, what is wrong with that pit? Well, everything is wrong with that picture.
1: Right, right. In, in, but this is what we need to understand is this is how many, many uh, dangerous and harmful things in our environment have been put into public uh, consumption, whether it's pesticides, uh, Monsanto's uh, glyphosate, glyphosate. Um, and many, many chemicals, uh, so all kinds of things, and yet, even in the other consumables uh, that are bad for uh, public consumption, how, it, it's still out there. Why? Because uh, the, the, the public does not understand how these dangerous uh, elements become uh, just into. Put into wide distribution in our uh, our economies, in our commerce systems, and, but that is the case. It's to, for me, this has been kind of a wake-up call. In comparing this stuff, how about um, nuclear technology, the nuclear power plants? My God, this here is this uh, energy source that is so toxic, so dangerous. The waste uh, is 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 toxic for a billion years. What are we doing utilizing anything so dangerous?
5: How it's a, it's dangerous. a nightmare. It's so absolute nightmare. Uh, it's a nightmare. What you're saying is an absolute nightmare that is happening before our eyes. If we let it, since we're running out of time here, I just want to address another thing about the smart meters. The smart meters, I saw something on the internet, really interesting. You can buy, listen to this, you can buy, once the, uh, these big, powerful uh, companies have installed smart meters against your will, okay? There's an internet, uh, there's a few of them out there, that you can buy a treated material that will, it's like a hood that you have to pay a lot of money for, and then you're supposed to put it over, listen to this, over your smart meters to to stop the radiation. So now you're trying to protect your health by buying another product to stop the smart meters from emitting radiation to your family and your friends and everyone else. Can you believe? Now, Now we're at that point of trying to compensate for the sickest plan of, of humanity is to put us in a pressure cooker of, of radiation. That's what it's doing. 24 hour radiation. And now they're, they're coming up with things of uh, private, private companies that, well, we know it's, they're saying we know it's dangerous, but here's at least one way that will help you to stop the radiation from, from uh, going into your home and your family. I mean, that's where we are with this. Oh, my God. Right.
1: Right. Now we have to take protective measures, uh, and there are many uh, devices now. There are, uh, are like, uh, screen-like materials that we can use to shield our routers at home, the uh, Wi-Fi routers. Uh, There are – there's even a type of paint that has material in it that you can – uh, paint in your room, in, in your house, like, especially if, say, you live near a cell phone tower, and you can block out the, uh, the radiation. Uh, and, and this is what it's come to where we've had, now we have to uh, protect ourselves, spend money here to protect ourselves from being bombarded by this radiation. And from her, this
5: craziness from this absolute yeah. craziness. you know i gotta tell you Les. the other day literally the other day i confronted my super of my building i live in manhattan on the upper east side and i said to my super a really nice guy and i said can you tell me if the building has got smart meters or not at this point point?" and he said we do not and i said do you do you know do you really know how bad it is to install smart meters? Have you got any information on that? And he said, no, I don't. So I said, will you give me your email so that I can give you the research that shows how bad this is? And he said, Nick, of course, gave me his email, and I have given him a lot of the material, a lot of the research, so at least he is now informed of what we're talking about. And I think the reason I'm telling you that is that I think that our listeners can also do the same thing. That's one thing you can do. You can ask your, your super a building, if you're, if you're renting or, or if you have a co-op, ask if these smart meters have been installed. And if, if, he, if they say no, say, we, we, we will not put up with smart meters in this building. If he says yes, you've got to get your building uh, tenants uh, your 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 fellow your fellow uh, uh, tenants to to do petitions to get them out of there, to get them out while you yes. still can. not So I'm just well, saying that these are grassroots or these are grassroots things that you can do.
1: Right, right. In okay, in New York with Time Edison as your uh, provider, they send out a notice saying you're going to be getting a smart meter. And, you know when, when you get that notice, you probably have about 60 days. Now they also give you an option to opt out. You can opt out and if you live in a building like you do Nick, what you're going to want to do is, is uh, organize, alert all the tenants in the building because every tenant's going to have to do it individually and they can opt out. Now if, if you already, have a smart meter, you got a choice. You can call Don Edison, demand that, they replace your smart meter with a, an analog meter. And they'll charge you $104 to do so. Uh, and what we got to do, see, this is where we have to get the legislation uh, to get even better provisions. Because right now, if you opt out, they charge you $9, $9.50 a month as an opt-out fee, which is, You know, it's not a lot, but still it's ridiculous. It shouldn't be charging anything for you to have the the option to um, protect your health. Why do you to have to pay to protect ourselves from the emissions, this radio pulse frequency, which even, by the way, if your smart meter is down in your basement and you're up on the 20th floor, you're getting uh, we'll call dirty electricity through your circuits in your apartment.
5: Is that true?
4: Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm very sorry, but we're going to have to wind down. Um, this was a very interesting show, and I thank you both for uh, bringing it into being. Uh, can we do a To Be Continued?
5: Oh, absolutely, Russ. Is that all right if we do a part two of this at some later date? Absolutely. Sure. I think this is too important, absolutely too important, and thank you, Hercules, for suggesting that. I absolutely want to do another show.
3: Awesome.
4: If you care to share your contact info, both of you, um, this way folks uh, who want to pursue this uh, can uh, contact you and learn more.
5: Les, would you want to give your email address? Yes, I actually have a
1: special email for uh, people who would like to know more and to. Uh, to get active on this issue, that Okay, is go ahead. the word no n o the number two smart meters and 5g at gmail.com. So no to smart meters and 5g at gmail.com.
5: Well done, excellent. I'm so glad you've got that. Uh, for me. Uh, You can go to my uh, email address, which is nicknyny, the the number one, at gmail.com. And that's a figure one, not O-N-E, but the figure one. Uh, Also, again, the uh, website for Disclosure Network New York is dnny.info. And that will get you right to our meeting and other special events. Uh, This is Nick Curto for Disclosure Network New York. We should you all in a knee journey as we connect the dots to seek the truth. Till next time, keep informed, stay safe, and be kind to one another. Goodbye for now. Awesome.
4: Uh, that's an excellent place to end the show. Thank you, gentlemen.
5: A pleasure, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. Love to everyone.
4: And now we're going to hear a quick song, Bunko Chucks Has Evolved, because that's what we're all here to do. back to Pride of Olympus. This is Hercules Invictus, and I'm looking forward to our next segment, Unarian Revelations. Uh, our guests are Celeste Pell and Jennifer Stovall, and we'll be talking about spiritual life in our solar system. Greetings, Celeste and Jennifer. How are you? Hello. Hi. Place. Great to be here with you tonight. And I'm really looking forward to um, hearing what you have to say about this topic.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a very fascinating topic, and there's always more to learn. Um, So we're going to be learning more tonight, I'm sure, as we talk.
6: Yes, it's Uh, very vast and uh, wonderful to start uh, conceiving and thinking about and tuning into those energies of the planets.
4: Indeed. And uh, the Unarian revelations, uh, the teaching of Ernest and Ruth Norman, have opened up the vistas of the cosmos and uh, uh, revealed uh, um, a paradigm that is so vast the mind can barely even grasp it. <laughs> So uh, we've explored uh, bits and pieces of this uh, over the years, and now I figure let's localize it to our own spiritual neighborhood, our solar system. And uh, there's so much material uh, there, too, that uh, I'm looking forward to an introduction, a foundation upon which everybody can build as they continue their um, explorations. Now, in ancient uh, systems of... uh, um, exploring the spiritual life of our solar system, uh, the ancients believed that there were beings inside the sun. And uh, this belief was very prevalent. Uh, and it even made its way into, like, the, the science fiction of the ancient Roman Empire, you know, where they, they kind of uh, spoofed it at that time because they believed themselves to be too sophisticated uh, to believe such things. But it was a wide-held belief, and many people still hold that uh, belief today, that there are beings of great uh, uh, spirituality who dwell within the, the solar logos. Does Unarius tell us uh, anything about this?
6: Um, I do believe there is information, and I, I cannot be quoted on where exactly that is, but I know I have come across it where there are these beings of, of consciousness um, that are very highly developed on the sun. So that's yes, that is that is true. But um, I, I, I'm going to turn it to Celeste um, where that is written and i and i would definitely look it up because um i haven't i haven't seen that in a in a while um i've been reading different books but i do know that, that i find it fascinating as well and that they there are beings but their their consciousness it's in a whole different course frequency and energy but um they do exist there
2: thank oh, you I jennifer the... oh go ahead go I, I
4: believe I come across that in one of my readings as well, something about the solar logi. I don't remember which uh, book I read it in, but uh, I seem to remember vaguely encountering it. So thank you for uh, that, Jennifer. Sure.
0: Um, I think to just qualify, uh, there are all different uh, levels of development of human life intelligent life and so that takes different forms and we're in a very low frequency here in the physical dimension on our earth plane but there are beings that's part of the natural process of evolution that have evolved and no longer need to have a physical uh, vehicle so to speak to contain our true self our soulic self our true electronic self And so these beings are able to live on planes, um, planets that are of a higher frequency or vibratory rate, and we would call them non-atomic or spiritual realms. And they do exist within um, our immediate area. Um, Venus is one of those. And then, again, there's no time or space uh, truly in the universe. So they're literally... Um, probably billions of planets at all different stages of development. Some are more Earth-like planets, uh, and again, others are in the fourth, fifth, sixth, higher dimensions. And we are fortunate, as Unaria students, having had Ernest and Ruth Norman, who weren't truly just physical individuals, they were overshadowed by very highly developed consciousnesses, as Raphael and Uriel They reside in their true self in these very high spiritual dimensions, and so some of the first books that Ernest Norman channeled were called um, the um, Voice of Books, uh, the Mm Pulse of of Venus. Yeah, Voice of Venus, Voice of Hermes, and there are the seven planes uh, that our mother, father, teacher to not just planet Earth, but other Earth planes. So we go there as we evolve and learn um, in between lives and in sleep state or the subplanets that we may be more relative to of these planes. And they focus on different aspects. And Venus, for one, was healing. So um, quite interesting to read the update um, because that contact was first made, I believe, with the spiritual leader, Malvar, on the plane of Venus in 1956, right, Jennifer? Right. And so um, tonight we were particularly referencing Uriel's contact with uh, 25 other planets. Uh, the book is actually called 25 Planets Speak to Planet Earth, and it's part of the Tesla Speak series, Volume 5. And awesome. in October... Yeah, in October of 1973, she had a recontract with with uh, planet Venus, and the spiritual leader, Mel Barr, was talking about um, how his planet is evolving, and all the planets are evolving, particularly as uh, Uriel herself, having overshadowed the physical body uh, from 1900 to 1993 on planet Earth, um, was definitely stepping up the whole solar system and he could see that change and he could also see the change in planet Earth with it having a gray astral smog around it and now starting to have this light, particularly because Uriel, the solar logos, was living on planet Earth but also because of the tremendous healing energies that were um, changing the frequency of planet Earth and the people, all of us that live on it. So very exciting.
4: That is very exciting. And since you uh, brought uh, up Venus, um, I had a question uh, that I'm sure many other people uh, have uh, as well. Uh, Venus, the the plane, the unarian plane of Venus is on one of the frequencies of the planet Venus. Is that correct? Oh.
0: Do you want to answer Jennifer?
6: Um I believe so, correct? But okay. Uh the spiritual planet is in a higher frequency. And then okay. you have the the Venus planet here which we know and um in the book it talks about how it's really been our mother doctor and it, um for this for for our earth planet. So it's very um so-called takes care a lot of what happens here very concerned but they've also been in touch with Mars and they've had a direct connection with Uriel and the Brotherhood in terms of the design to move this whole planetary system forward um, with the interplanetary confederation worlds. but um, in the voice of Venus it talks about how Um, people live there. um, In the spiritual, the high spiritual uh, plane of Venus, you have, it's very crystalline. Um, The cities are made of crystal and um, the birth is a little, is very different than here. Um, People actually um, don't come through the womb, but they're actually um, coming through an energy form. They build up an energy, uh, you might say, uh, energy in, through an energy flame, and um, the population is regulated. So all these details of what goes on there is outlined in the voice of Venus, and that was brought through mental transmission by the moderator, um, and that's the very first book which is recommended for students to read when they first make the contact with Unarius. So it's
4: very, very exciting. Celeste, thank you, Jennifer.
0: Well, Venus, as we understood, had, um, I think the Russians sent a probe, and it had what they thought was um, a white cloud-like formation, obviously made of gaseous substance, and it c- clouded the surface of what they thought was a physical planet, so they couldn't really Get a true picture of what that planet was. So, the reason that gaseous layer was there was actually to um, sort of protect, protect. us yeah. from seeing it because we would be shocked. We wouldn't be able to really understand. Uh, Venus at that time was more uh, sort of halfway in between a physical planet and a true, completely spiritual planet. And did have uh, different levels of uh, beings that were in their evolution, you know, from a lower plane where people tried to live more like they would on an earth plane with um, cities and houses and such. And then as people evolve in higher planes with Venus itself, they no longer need to have any semblance of an appearance of a physical body in a life form. They're truly a light, an energy beam, like a flame light being. But what was talked about in the um, Tesla Speaks Volume 5, Dama Malvar, was that Venus is having a step up so that it will completely become a spiritual plane and will no longer um, have that cloud-vaporous-like appearance and will become totally invisible, Uh, To us on the earth plane because we don't have the instrumentation that can detect those very high frequencies, unless, of course, one was clairvoyant and then perhaps, you know, a very advanced clairvoyant could psychically see it.
4: it. It must be very heartening as science moves forward. Uh, that science is confirming what Unarius has been saying since uh, it was brought here by Uriel and the Moderator, that uh, the universe is full of habitable planets. Uh, I remember as I was growing up, uh, the prevalent belief uh, of science was that uh, there's very little life, you know, and we're a fluke mm-hmm. rather than uh, what is common, and now that is turned around uh, totally. Uh, and there are always discoveries being touted of new planets that are, you know, habitable, and uh, um, uh, uh, you guys have been talking about this as sort of far back as I can remember, and uh, now it's being confirmed.
6: And also yeah, I, be taking into consideration that there are life forms that our instrumentation we don't know about, and when Uriel made the contacts with these planets, you know, that was confirmed that, you know, there are thousands and thousands of life forms and intelligences on these other planets. And it, it, there really is It's a matter of being able to contact that frequency and to have the tools to do that, which we will in the future, which is very, very exciting. And we're starting to now, and that's the preparation for the mission
0: of Unarius, which
6: is great.
4: That is awesome.
0: Celeste? Well, the thing that um, I think we all also wanted to tie into, because I remember when I first read this, I said, oh, I didn't realize Uriel had contact with planets that weren't part of the interplanetary confederation that we talked so much about, um, the 32 worlds and then Earth is to be the 33rd. Mm-hmm. that are not just in our solar system but in the Milky Way galaxy, and together they form a seven-armed spiral uh, vortex or pattern, and their placement is strategic and why these planets are part of this confederation for the bigger master plan for um, the step-up of all these worlds is that they're at specific... Um, Points, nodal points where these power towers are being erected that will, and they already have them, and we will have one here, that tap into the high electromagnetic frequencies that are part of what we call space, which is really not empty. There's, you know, all of these frequencies that are constantly oscillating and they're able to step down or demodulate the frequencies to be used for, Energy uh, means on their planet, uh, means of communication and transportation through these hollow beams that are projected, and then the spaceships can travel through magnetic propulsion. So, that is part of this master plan that's been in effect for a million years or more by the very, very advanced beings uh, for the whole galaxy. And apparently, um, once the interplanetary confederation is fully formed then um, there'll be an intergalactic federation and these other planets will be part of that so there's going to be this joining and stuff up of all the planets but there's a plan or a pattern to it based on uh, the understanding of uh, frequency and harmonics so it's it's very overwhelming, but it's, on the other hand, very mm-hmm. exciting to know yeah. that uh, humankind has a positive future and um, that we ourselves can be a part of that by how we live our lives and progress ourselves.
6: And I found it very fascinating reading um, about how many of the planets had made progress and were very scientifically advanced. They knew about energy. Um, I know ESA on Saturn was more into chemicals and um, doing mining of chemicals, and then they were actually needing that contact uh, with Uriel and the Anarius Brotherhood to get that step up so then they could move forward because they had gone to a certain point and so there has to be that preparation there has to be that uh preconditioning and that energy so that um that that planet and those people can move forward they kind of reach a certain point and then they they need we need help you know so yep
4: so fortunately that's
0: that's a great point that jennifer brought up that that was the whole Right after contacting initially the 32 other worlds and giving them the help they needed and waking Mm -hmm. up the spiritual leader um, and giving them information about the lens, uh, electronic configuration that's like a vast computer uh, that can get any answer and help them, um, that her polarity, um, which, yeah, Tesla – Uh Nikola Tesla, Michael, Michael, um, her twin Ray, as she called him, was actually guiding from the inner her making this mental contact with these 25 other worlds because they were at a point where, as Jennifer said, they needed help in a direct way. They were at a stalemate.
6: Because I know, too, when I was reading, it was like, well, kind of went over to this planet, and then she would talk about, oh, there's more that need contacted, and it just kind of seems, like very, seems very random. But then you find out, no, there's a particular purpose, and that they have to be, those are very um, important points um, of reference for that future plan, and that there are those that are not ready at that point but will be um, once, Um, We have an Interplanetary Confederation, and we're a full member and functioning with the rest of of the planets, and that they will take more of a part and a role, such as Mars and uh, Venus. So, yeah, very, very exciting.
4: It is very exciting. Um, I had a question, though. Um, Venus, we know, is uh, on one frequency, uh, one of the planes of uh, Unarius in the Pulse of Creation series. Um, Why is Venus not in the Interplanetary Confederation?
0: Well, I kind of already answered that in that there are um, these specific planets, the 33 that are part of the Interplanetary Confederation. They are in a certain alignment um, in the galaxy that forms this seven arm spiral vortex and there are specific um, nodal points and when the towers are erected in all 33 planets and projecting where the lines of projection crisscross in between the planets it's going to create it's a nodal point it's going to actually create new planets that are okay a higher frequency and they're going to be the future home for people as they evolve off the 32 planets and the other planets so that is part of the reason and this plan was actually set up over a million years ago and we waylaid it and actually started warring and destroyed some of the world's physical planets so um, it's going back to completing that plan which sort of set humanity backwards but then the um, brotherhood in uh, its infinite intelligence, working with infinite intelligence, foresaw the need and created um, this plan of how to put a spiritual polarity of Uriel on each one of these planets that would help uh, seed the planet and uh, begin its forward progression. And Jennifer alluded to that some of the spiritual leaders in particular kind of lost their way and the planet really went backwards because they misused their advanced technology um, more so than we even have technology now in terms of having robots that were almost ready to take over the world, um, having explosions that caused great havoc on the surface and they could no longer live there and mutants and they had to live underground so um, there's tremendous healing that has happened and a uh, step up in frequencies through the high energy projections that each one of the planets received through Uriel's contact, which of course was a mental contact, which we could talk more about how that took place as well.
6: And, um, and each of the polarities is like a well, duplicate, not duplicate, but a polarity. Um, Um, another, in a sense, infinite consciousness, um, and very, very developed. And so um, it was said that, you know, a million years ago when the plan was first set up, Uriel went with many of these polarities, and either they started a a temple or a they were starting the tower, and then the cycle has to be right to finish it. So when you read in the other Tesla Speaks books, um, you learn about how Uriel recontacted them at that particular time or that cycle and then that planet could start to really progress quickly and take up the teachings and that polarity um, she was able to uh, might say reignite that inner flame and those energies so that they could be that transceiver for the rest of the planet and and carry out the teachings to progress them through and the
4: use of the lens. What an amazing uh, plan unfolding uh, throughout the multiverse. That is I- incredibly awesome. And uh, um, to be able to catch glimpses of it in the writings that uh, uh, we have is, is amazing. And uh, the writings are phenomenally consistent, uh, despite their you know, great volume. Uh, And uh, they contain all sorts of information I think I've shared uh, in terms of uh, Herodotus, who uh, was present during the uh, Atlantis series, uh, the Return to Atlantis series. There was a lot of information in there that you'd have to be a scholar of ancient Greece to get Mm. the the references. And uh, Mm -hmm. they're not, they're invisible, but they're still there. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, all this information on the planets and, uh, is, is totally uh, fascinating. Now, we've done shows on Venus and uh, the Earth and Mars in the past, and you've given excellent summaries of where um, each of those uh, planets uh, currently uh, stands. Uh, so let's move on to Jupiter. You've, you brought up Jupiter as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, the life on Jupiter?
0: Um, really, don't know that. <laughs> okay, it wasn't in the twenty-five speaks volume, and it may be another book, but it's not coming to mind right now. Um, basically, I think there's life forms of one degree another, uh, as well how developed they are. If they're in uh, a human form, as we are, um, all the planets, because infinite is infinite life exists in infinite forms, and it's hard for us to imagine, gee, this planet's got no atmosphere, or it's got this extreme heat or extreme cold. How could life live there? Well, life forms have evolved to adapt, and what was really interesting was um, that that's the way um, the beings have evolved on the planet Saturn. That was one of the contacts that Uriel had in 1973. And that was okay. really um, fascinating to hear how that planet has an atmosphere of what we would call ammonia and that the right. be- beings have actually evolved um, to breathe that with one lung and to be able to withstand very uh, cold temperatures. So we have such limitations, um, you know, that everything has to have... Um, oxygen and hydrogen (laughs) and Uh yet yet on this planet they've done research now in the depths of the ocean and in some uh, specific areas in the planet like in caves and such and they have discovered what they call extremophiles like down in the ocean there's life forms that get no sunshine and have no oxygen, and they exist. So I think it's started to open wow. up scientists' minds that, gee, on these other planets, if we have this on our planet, then life could have evolved to exist in some form. Maybe not with how we're familiar, but it could very well be there. And like Jennifer said earlier, we just don't have uh, the equipment yet, uh, or electronics, computer um, equipment that can detect that type of a life form, but right. Um, and
6: when um, Uriel contacted Essa on Saturn, that's Saturn. That's what Essa was saying about um, about Jupiter, um, Uranus, and Neptune. That they're not discounting that there's life there, but it's not detected any form of intelligent frequencies that are consistent okay. with their higher form of life so i think that you know that just expands you know at least expands my consciousness in terms of wow you know it just goes on in terms of life forms and um and yet we really focus on that more intelligent higher spiritual um energies and that's our uh, what we're learning about so
0: i think the key thing is we have evolved as a human species and our true self is not the physical body it's um, our spiritual psychic body our true electronic mind and we're just temporarily inhabiting these bodies while we're on a physical plane Um, that that soulic essence that is the higher consciousness or higher self that is connected to all of infinite intelligence and that we're developing uh, that's what really determines intelligence so the beings then that are on Saturn, even though they don't look like us and don't have bodies like us, electronically they are like us. They have the soul or they can be considered sentient or intelligence beings. And so I think we get caught up in the external rather than realizing that that's an illusion and everything is truly energy and they do have that higher development or um, higher self with a connection to the infinite, There, spark of the infinite like we are. And that would be a fantastic lesson. Maybe it's going to take that um, to discover a life form that's intelligent, that doesn't look like us, for us to finally get along on this world when people don't look exactly the same, they have different skin colorations, different ethnic backgrounds, and to be accepting to realize that's just the outer coding but truly we have more in common because we're energy beings and we're all interconnected through our thoughts and um, frequencies.
3: That is very
4: profound. Uh, That bears a lot of uh, contemplation and meditation to let that uh, uh, sink in. We are energy beings, and uh, uh, since uh, all spiritual beings are energy beings, we are already one. Uh, with all uh, life in the universe.
0: Yeah. Right. So it, it's, um, again, I think we, even as being students for many years, you can, something happens and you can get up, caught up in how real it seems, and then you have to start to remember, okay, what I've been studying for years, these energy principles, and you need to see principle in action versus getting caught up in the emotional reaction.
6: Right, and seeing something similar to ourselves, you know, what matches what we know, what matches what um, what we've learned, right? So that's what makes it, I think, exciting to open possibilities and open up our consciousness that way.
4: And to be a generic uh, opens the door to... Uh, the whole process of waking up from this uh, illusion in space uh, and time. And I, I can think of no more amazing uh, thing than that.
6: And then to know that Uriel came to this planet, that they, they actually, these 32 other planets really look to Earth now because she came and gave the example and the teachings. Um, and this is to be Star Center number one. So
2: um,
6: very exciting future, and then to learn about these other planets through the books that she knew them, you know, um, from lifetimes ago, millennial ago, so, yeah.
0: And that's so, why she called them her space brothers, because they were like family to her. They weren't aliens. hmm
4: so it's Star Trek, we've done episodes on Star Trek, and we'll do more episodes on Star Trek, uh, but uh, we know that Gene Roddenberry uh, must have read uh, uh, the Unarian teachings because uh, a lot <laughs> of uh, the truths found themselves in that uh, fictive mythology. Uh, and uh, the more we talk, the more clearly I can see that.
0: Hmm. Well, he may not have physically read them, Um, But he could have been an older soul that went to the spiritual schools on these inner planes and learned these um, basic energy principles that all life functions by and also learned of the continuity of our past life histories. Or, you know, he was re-expressing his own memories of
6: different past life he's
0: had Mm -hmm. on other planets in the universe at different time periods. So, you know, we've talked about that there's truly no science fiction, um, that these are psychic memories.
4: And that is what uh, draws many people to Unarius. I believe that as well, phenomenally strongly. And I've explored science fiction fandom at great length to prove that to myself. Uh, And it seemed that everybody I encountered and got to know that was involved with uh, fandom, you know, dressing up and acting the part and so forth, uh, in confidence, they will tell you that uh, on some level this seems very real. You know that it's not exactly what they're feeling. You know what they're remembering, but they seem to remember this as having happened. So that sentiment is very strong in the science fiction community.
6: And I'm sure that in the future there will be either programs, films of the 32 planetary worlds. Um, you know exactly because it's all beautifully uh, spelled out in these contacts with the 32 other planets so that's i'm sure like star trek will have programs like that and where you know you can read it now you can hear it now but there those films will be available
4: i believe that as well
0: yeah that's exciting so the other some of the other planets in our solar system that we've mentioned um Mars, Venus, Saturn, uh, Uranus, they potentially are already communicating and it isn't necessarily in a physical way. It can be through the mental uh, transmission of thought and they can use devices to help with that as well that raise the frequency. And um, and communication, as Jennifer mentioned, with the other 32 worlds, so that's very exciting and um, it's a basic uh, understanding that we have is that all of us are uh, transmitter receivers like a function same as a radio or a TV that essentially um, by our thoughts and what frequency they're on we can align ourselves with another being whether they're on a physical plane or a spiritual plane um especially if on the spiritual plane that we really need to raise our frequency and they need to step theirs down to have a communication. But that's a very exciting thing. So even if we aren't physically able to go to these planets um, like Uriel, we can all work toward developing the ability to have some type of mental contact and um, learn from each other in that way.
6: And that... uh... Brings to mind the lens and how the lens um, is that device that these beings are learning how to attune to. I know Essa Saturn was asking, well, how how do you how do I get this information? And she just you just attune to the lens. You just think your thoughts to the lens, and they will provide the information that you need. It doesn't tell you what to do, but it gives information to help at that particular time. So that's a whole fascinating um, topic, and um, something that we're all learning about was was the lens that was created from these spiritual beings on the inner world through these many millions of years, like a very positive um, uh, web, you know, network, um,
2: mm-hmm. yeah,
6: internet um, of all these positive thoughts that have been retained through these. Many, many thousands of years that will be that will be in use for the future, so that these great beings we call them great, but um, you would say intelligent, highly intelligent, spiritual beings will not have to come back and reincarnate into the earth plane, but um, will their intelligence will be is part of that lens.
4: That that would make a great uh, topic. We've touched on the lens uh, before, uh, especially during the Interplanetary Confederation uh, episode uh, but and uh, the Pulse of Creation episode, but uh, that would make an interesting uh, topic in terms of uh, sharing experiences with uh, the lens to see if we can learn from each other.
6: Yeah, and the more that um, you read about it, the more vast and... Um, uh, information can be gained, healing. Um, I know that it was used on each of the polarities. Used that to help heal their uh, planets, and um, Uriel used it as a, a tool, as guidance for you know where to go next, um, as a communication device. So, yeah, that really it really is fascinating.
0: A translator, so that there wouldn't be you know, these other peoples don't necessarily speak our language, but when these contacts came through, and Uriel and her higher self was the generator, so to speak, and then the energies were um, stepped down and split, so to speak, and sent to her subchannels that were voicing uh, the contact from these other worlds. And, of course, they spoke in English, but how did that happen? That translation happened. Well, that happened through Uriel's Uh, very high super consciousness which really is what the lens is and that translation took place and then when Uriel spoke and um, that went back through so to speak um, her high consciousness it was translated back so that the individuals she was communicating with on these other planets could understand her Uh, so that's very fascinating and some of them Uh, could communicate strictly through their mental consciousness. They had that development. Others needed some type of device that helped step up the frequencies. And some of them could see her psychically and her true self as like a great spiritual sun or star, you know, brilliant, huge light uh, galaxy. And others had a device, um, I believe, which one was it? Was it... um, Saturn that had a ball-like device, almost a like crystal a ball. Yep. Yeah, and, and they could see the um, psychic embodiment of Muriel, and they'd never seen anything like that. It was just like this huge, bright, shining light. And so they knew they had contacted some form of higher intelligence, and they were very excited because they'd never done that before and realized that that was going to be a fantastic thing for them um, to be able to Contact um, higher intelligence.
4: Wow! And uh, you mentioned uh, Uranus or Uranos, as we say in Greek, which means heaven, by the way. Uh, uh, how is life on uh, Uranos? Jennifer, you want to start?
6: Life
4: on. Uh, Uranus. Oh, sorry. In English. Oh. Yeah.
6: Oh, um uh, well, I thought that was one that they said they weren't sure,
0: but well that was that was one that we read about, yeah. Uranus. Yeah. So, um well, Uranus um was actually had different levels of development and they had some idea of the continuity of life, but they haven't connected the Um, overarching um, how do you want to say connection with the infinite that there is this infinite intelligence that is the source, the life source of all and themselves, everything, the planet and so that was a revelation to them and Uriel was explaining how again if they contacted the lens they would get more of this teaching that they could convey to their people, um, so they were very excited about that as well.
4: And uh, as far as we know,
0: there is no uh, life
4: that was contacted on Neptune or Pluto. Is that correct?
2: Right. Okay. Well,
0: Uriel said that she would perhaps try to contact them, but it could be that The cycle wasn't right for that to happen. There wasn't the need at that time. It does not mean that there aren't some type of sentient or intelligent beings living on those planets.
4: And do the Unarian teachings reveal, like, any secret or hidden planets in our solar system, planets that exist, let's say, in a higher frequency or... Um, are invisible to us. Uh, like, for instance, uh, a lot of people believe that there's a planet X or Niburu that has this very long um, uh, arc uh, or rotation around our sun and only appears uh, um, very rarely. Um, are there any, is there any information that tends to support that in the Unarian teachings?
0: Well, there are. Um, of course, there are the spiritual planets um, that aren't in our dimension, um, but it's, you're speaking of physical planets, right?
4: Physical or astral uh, planets, uh, planets we might not be able to pick up, but they're, they're still part of our solar system's uh, gestalt.
0: Well, of course, there could be astral planets um, that we would be aware of because we can't detect them. But there is, and we've read it other places, Planet Vulcan, which I believe the way it's positioned, it's hidden behind, is it Jupiter? Um, and it's rotation, and it can't be seen. And we've been told that Planet Vulcan specifically uh, was a planet for um, the um, black race to evolve, uh, to okay. initially start their evolution from. And then, of course, um, you know, you don't necessarily keep in on the same planet. You learn no. things um, by going to other planets. <clears throat> so they haven't stayed on that planet, but that's our understanding with Planet Balkan.
6: And also that um, Abraham Lincoln uh, did live there and so had that rapport when he came.
4: That's very Interesting. I have to now uh, track down that information and uh, become uh, more familiar with it. And uh, before we get to the moons, uh, which is something else I wanted to inquire about, um, in a lot of the ancient writings, uh, the planet Mercury is the same as Hermes. And in ancient Greek uh, occultism or metaphysics or spirituality, um, the personage and the plane were sometimes the same thing so you would refer to the uh, ruler of the planet uh, um, as the planet itself but in Unarius there isn't any indication that uh, um, Hermes and Mercury are the same thing, is that correct?
6: I've not not read
0: that but you know maybe it is Written somewhere. Yeah, I, I'm not the aware of that I'm not aware of that either Hercules that snoozed yeah. me. It could okay. very well be. I don't know.
4: Yeah, it it does happen in Unarius that Hermes Trismegistus is a personage, and then there's the plane of Hermes, uh, and and that's very ancient. You know that that type of association. Um, like for instance, because this planet uh, comes under the tutelage of Uriel. Uh, In very ancient thought, the planet and the personage who is the the genius of the planet or the spiritual leader of the planet would be the same thing. They wouldn't have a different name because uh, Uh. it's part of the same experience. So I just didn't know if that custom had uh, survived into um, Unarius because that's what they did in antiquity. And there's a lot of things... uh, um, from antiquity uh hidden like i said squirreled away in the unarius uh, teachings uh but that one i wasn't certain of so i figured let me just ask mm-hmm. and how about the moons uh, you'd mentioned that uh, we're finding uh um life forms that are different for, from us on uh, the oceans and in moons and on other uh, planets uh uh, did Uriel contact any, like, our moon or any of the moons in our solar system and, and find intelligent life?
0: Well, not that I'm aware of specifically that she had a direct contact, but I believe at someplace in a, a couple of our books, there is information that there have been bases built uh, okay. by different beings on the moons and whether they're still active um, bases, like uh, intelligent life still living there, or they've been abandoned. I'm not sure of that.
4: Now, a lot of my uh, work in the world is uh, tied into Elysium, and uh, we'll do another episode on that uh, at a later date. But as you know, I call what I'm doing the Elysium Project, especially when it deals with uh, intrafaith, interfaith, and you know things like that, which are uh, my... My inner concept and the concept of the Asians is very close to uh, the Unarian uh, um, concept. But there's other parts of what I do in the world that resonate with other places, like uh, Hermes, for instance. Um, And this has been a very helpful uh, episode uh, because everything's coming into focus now and how things together, tie together even though there is no time and space as we experience that there is so in, in terms of uh, uh the relationship between the other evolutions in our uh, solar system uh this for me this has been a very edifying uh, uh conversation we've been having
6: oh great well yeah. i know it, it it really is um wonderful um i i just have to say because it just comes back to how everything is so interconnected, and we really do have these uh, planets and beings closer than we even know. You know, Uriel would say that, but only a thought away, and it's mm-hmm. really true. And as as I was going over some of these chapters, and I have read them before, but when you come back, you know, even years later, it's just so um, so wonderful and so beautiful to feel that energy again and you, you feel that kinship and that uh, beauty of, of the beings and the sincerity comes through from Uriel and Essa and Norel and Malvar so that is, is really wonderful and, just, and then to be able to talk about it you know and, and share it and then you, know, you reflect back your experience this is very uh, very uplifting very touching
0: I appreciate it very much
6: Well, you definitely
0: have a unique perspective with your Greek background because mm -hmm. I don't have that knowledge. So, um, sometimes I'm kind of at a loss, Hercules, to answer those questions. Yeah. I
6: learned from you, Hercules, about some of these things (laughs) for sure.
4: I learned from both of you and from all uh, my fellow Unarians as well, uh, and, uh, as um, I get older, uh, my memory is not what it once was. <laughs> so uh-huh. things I knew are sometimes not as close to my uh, memory as I'd, I'd like them to be. So, um, uh, but I learned a great uh, deal today, and uh, uh, our mission then in part is to prepare this planet. Uh, for entry into the Interplanetary Confederation because obviously we're not ready for that uh, yet so uh, that's an exciting uh, mission that can fill somebody's entire life uh, just focusing on that aspect of it
0: yes well I think um, I think on Mars because the first contacts that Ernest Norman had were in 1955 and so and recontacting the planetary leader Norell in 1973, he did say that the focus of the Martians who have this um, underground civilization that is working quite well for them, they actually have 60 million people, this was in 1973, living there, which is amazing to think about, and they do control um, the number of births so they can continue to support their lifestyle, but that they potentially through their contacts with the other 32 worlds, because they can have um, transmissions from them, could find out how to change the surface of their planet to repopulate it, but that isn't their focus. That their focus is to help, because they're more advanced, some of the other planets in our solar system, including Earth, and that they have much to help us with, but they're waiting until we're more open and ready for it. And so that is exciting. We've been told that that's one of the first uh, contacts that we would have with another earth world would be through Mars. I believe um, it came through uh, the higher self of Einstein from the other side who said that that would be the case. And then it was kind of reaffirmed with what um, Nurell said in 73. So, um, yeah, who knows, <laughs> you know, <humankind laughs> thinks they're going to um, populate Mars, uh, ha-ha, you know, they're kind of not yeah. going to be the first ones there. So how are the Martians going to let them know they're there without a total shock? That will be an interesting thing to unfold.
4: Mm-hmm. I've heard that the machinery uh, continues to malfunction on Mars, so maybe that's <laughs> Mars
0: uh, letting us know that they're there. <laughs> yeah, or that they don't want prying eyes or equipment, computer eyes in certain places, huh?
6: Right, and when the cycle is, is in and, you know, positive for it, it will happen, that's for sure. So very exciting to look forward to.
4: Oh, most certainly so, and uh, hopefully uh, it will happen uh, during our uh, lifetimes. And uh, more and more spiritualities, including the uh, Catholic Church, are becoming open uh, to the possibility that there's uh, intelligent and spiritual life uh, on other planets. So uh, that, too, is very encouraging uh, because such uh, systems often uh, persecute those that believe such things.
0: Well, they have a vast library, and apparently they do have some documentation in their library that they're maybe not sharing that may lend them to believe that more so than we think, huh?
4: That sounds plausible. Mm Yep. Yep. Wow, the hour zoomed by very quickly and we're down to the last five minutes. Uh, Thank you again so very much. Uh, This was awesome. And uh, can you share some of the new and exciting things that are happening with uh, Unarius in the near
3: future?
0: Well, um, rather than wait all the way to our uh, wonderful Conclave Light event on the second weekend in October, Uh, We are having a special event on Sunday, June 30th, and we're going to have um, an introductory past life therapy workshop in the morning, a creativity workshop in the afternoon, and then a contact with the space brothers or the spiritual beings in the evening. And of course, if people live close enough in Southern California to come in person, that'd be fantastic. We will be, live streaming the um, Pest Therapy Workshop as well as the transmission and it is archived as well for several days um, so we invite as many people to participate as they can and um, other than that we're um, continuing to work with uh, a filmmaker Jody Willie, um, who's awesome. really moving forward on making oh, a full yeah, so, so about Unarius. And that will certainly um, potentially millions of people could find out about uh, Unarius, which is very exciting. Um, and uh, we have all of our usual uh, classes Classic. on Sunday and Wednesday evenings from 7 to 8.30 that are live streamed. Um, and we always talk about um, our websites, the basic uh, unarius.org, as well as we've been talking about the Interplanetary Confederation, there's all one word interplanetaryconfederation.com that has an overview and uh, actual um, contacts uh, that you can listen to audio contacts with each of the polarities on the planets that are five to seven minutes long. And then for and those it, that like, uh, go ahead, Jennifer. No,
6: I was going to say, and very recently, in the last few months, there's been um a creativity uh expressions that people can view um at, on facebook and then you can also see some of the more recent events um that have been going on in l a area um zebulon for one and um so you know they can listen to past episodes with you, hercules as well,
0: so there's oh, a awesome. lot there yeah and are you, on too- our YouTube channel, Unarius 33, there's a lot to look at there. Um, we have videos of our um, shows that aired in public access for years and still do on some stations on LA36.org. There's a 30 shows, some are parts one and two, that are great introduction to Unarius, no charge, on demand. Uh, so there's a lot of resources if people want to learn more.
4: And on that note, uh, I've just been informed we have uh, very few seconds left. Thank you so very much again. Um, I'm looking forward to our next uh, conversation. And thanks to all at home who've uh, listened uh, today. If you have any questions, please explore uh, these websites or give a call. Uh, You'll be uh, overjoyed
0: with what you find. Thank you very much, Hercules. And thank you. Love and light. Love and light.
3: Olympian blessings to all who have joined us on our adventure. Now, go forth and create a better world, one filled with light and love. On behalf of the pride of Olympus and her crew, may your journeys be joyous.